0: Hey, blenders! On this week's show, the Critics' Choice Super Awards are announced. Cocaine Bear arrives in theaters, and Elizabeth Banks is our guest. Hello, blenders, and welcome! Welcome to episode number two hundred and fifty of Real Blend, Wow, a podcast that has a higher Tomato Meter score than Ant Man and the Wasp. Ooh. On this week's show. The Critics' Choice Super Awards have announced our nominations, and I want to talk about them because I think some of them are in there that you guys are really going to like. Cocaine Bear arrives in theaters, uh, and as a result of that, director Elizabeth Banks is going to be our guest later on in the show. Elizabeth Banks joining the show. Hey! Talk about Cocaine Bear. And uh, of course, because of that, we're going to play hashtag Elizabeth Banks blend late in the show. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing editor here at CinemaBlend, and I'm joined each week by Captain Hat, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32. What is it, pitchers and catchers? Is that why uh, you're back on the Strohs bandwagon? What, what, what bandwagon
1: is there? I, I know you're, you're not familiar with the concept of, of a local sports team that does well, but, uh, you know, it, there is no bandwagon when, you're, when your team is constantly World Jeez, Series champions.
0: 365, 365 days out of the year. The the,
2: the hat you're wearing That's that's the cheating edition right The limited cheating
1: edition Hey if you guys can't beat us when we're cheaters And not cheaters what does (laughs) that say about you we, gave, we yeah. gave you guys multiple shots to try to beat us. Hey, actually you did. We, actually I was we, saying actually you did so I can't talk to you. You, serious.
0: Sean. Not you. You, Sean. <laughs> I don't even have a team. What are you talking about? Charlotte doesn't have a team. We have a minor league team at best. And Dude, they're doing Sean. their best. Charlotte doesn't even have movie theaters. <laughs> they
2: they, don't have, they have nothing going on there. They the got camera. Sean. <laughs> I basically have they have got Greensboro. a little
1: Mount Rushmore and it's four different faces of <laughs> Sean. Yeah.
0: I I legitimately have to drive to like Greensboro to see yeah. Sean drives to Georgia to watch his movies. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, uh, that's Kevin McCarthy of Fox five in Washington, D.C., who has such power that he tells people to uh, book screenings at the theater closest to his house. That's that's the kind of power I need. No, essentially.
2: Well, the theater that I usually go to is the theater that we did. the We did the book Q&A for uh, Sean's uh, book Q&A a couple weeks ago awesome. here in, in Tyson's. It was fun. And all, thanks to all the real blend listeners who came out. Uh, I know we've done a show already since that since that signing. But I just wanted to say thank you to all the listeners we got to meet because I wasn't on the beginning of last week's show. So it was cool to meet everybody. Kev,
0: I have told the guys I received so many compliments for how well you did with the Q&A. Thank you. you My
2: mom wrote all those questions. So I I just wanted to, you know, just thank her. Thank Jill. Prepare for me
1: to phone it in in April. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm planning on trying one bit
2: <laughs> Wait, we'll Sean, Land that
0: plane gently.
1: Yeah. Sean, you should come up with like generic answers
2: for even if like the most hard hitting question, like you just like yeah. switch the topic, by the way. Uh, and so uh, I, this is totally random, but I um, over the weekend, I, I finally sat down and watched plane for the first time. You just mentioned plane that movie's awesome. And I want people to see it. If you haven't had a chance, it's on video on demand. Um, we've already discussed it when it came out in theaters, but it is available in your home now. And it's just a 95 minute B action film. Love that it. probably it's dude. It is like eighties, nineties commando Rambo style. It is just, and Butler's awesome, man. So it was Greenland. Butler's always so awesome. I just wanted to say that yeah. I thought the movie was fun. So, all
0: right. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Maybe it's Friday. Maybe you're part of the notification crew and you are going down to the comments to let us know uh, that you're here and where you're checking in from. I received a birthday message from, I want to say Slovenia, Slovenia, Slovenia. Yeah. Wild. Someone who listens to us on the regular. You know what's funny about
2: Slovenia? I just ordered a typewriter because I'm for I'm going to respond to somebody with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I actually think it came from Slovenia. (laughs) It was like I ordered it on Etsy and it came from Slovenia. I'm pretty sure it did. I need to double check the packaging. But yeah,
0: anyways. Maybe it's the guy who listens to us. It's probably, Um, yeah. (laughs) If you're listening on audio and you want to join the visual element of the show, head over to youtube.com backslash real blend podcast. Of course, the show is available every Friday and sometimes on Wednesdays, uh, all the different places that you get your podcast needs met. In addition.
1: Do you think anyone ever like logs onto the visual element of YouTube and just goes like, "Ew, that's oh, not yeah. what I expected."
0: Well, I at least saw a comment one time where they were like, I had very clear pictures in my head of what you guys looked like after mm. listening to the audio version for a long time. And then they watched the YouTube channel yeah. and it screwed them up completely.
1: I mean, that's to be fair. Do you remember? I mean, it, honestly, for me, in the days before Internet, whenever you would listen to like a local radio DJ for years sure. and then when you they would never like, finally like see a that. picture of them and you're like, oh, that's not what I expected. I, I guess, you know, that's that's somewhat similar.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I so. people watch me on TV all the time. They'd say, I can't believe how ugly you are in person. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know.
1: Oh, Dude, if it makes you feel better, I'm I'm I, I can't believe it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: hey, uh, hey, if you hey, want more hey, of the show. Yeah. Hey, hey, more right. sick ferns like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sign up for Robland Premium where we can drop a new show. We actually do like each other. <laughs> on yeah. Mondays, Do we? Uh, you get an ad-free version <laughs> of the show. Do we? an extra segment every week and a newsletter this week is a newsletter week so on friday while you're listening to this you'll probably have one in your inbox Check the description for information on where to sign up let's say hello to gabe kobach as well too who is hiding in the producer's chair hello gabe how are you today
3: hi boys well happy hi. 250 happy 250 yes happy to accomplishment hey yeah, gabe what, what did you get it what did you
2: get us for this accomplishment what gift did you get all three of us uh me
0: i'm here he's he's, oh, he's editing this episode <laughs> <laughs> i showed up yeah
2: all
0: right real quick uh Kevin, favorite huh. interview of the first 250 episodes of our show?
3: Ooh. Impossible. No, no
0: the other uh, another show. Any other <laughs> <Another> show.
4: <laughs>
2: show. Any, um, any interview <laughs> the last four years. All right, I, I only slept three hours last night. You're going to be getting a lot of uh, randomness for me today. Um, I mean, OK, no question. The two and a half hour Quentin Tarantino interview we R2B. did in New York, um, in New York? because well, so, well, well. Hang on. Before people go looking for a two and a half hour
3: interview, we did a ninety minute interview, but we were there for like an extra bit, right? It wasn't two it and a half hours.
0: I think the I think the clip is two and a half hours. I'm pretty sure it is. Double check no, it. Either the, way, the it second was, includes
3: one. the clip. If you're talking about the full video, the video includes us talking about it afterwards.
2: Okay. Well, it was it was. Close to two hours or two hours, whatever it was. It was yeah, a very, yeah. very right. yeah. I think we booked 90 minutes and we went longer. I, mean, I remember okay. I'm almost certain that we stayed. Yes. I remember him getting up to go to the bathroom and he came back and we did the whole MPAA discussion about Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, so the re- I'll keep this quick. But the reason why that was my favorite is like when I was, you know, I've said this before, but when I was a kid, like I used to dream of just meeting him. Just to, just just say like being in, in his presence, just to tell him how much his movies meant to me, let alone like. Ever have a sit down four minute junket interview with him, let alone have a 20 minute podcast interview with him and then have him invite us to do a 92 minute or, you know, two hour interview where we could just literally ask him anything we wanted about his career and movies. Stuff that I wanted to know since I was in high school. Um so, yeah, no question. I mean, I just I, I literally can still see us sitting in that room. I remember yeah. where we were sitting. I remember who was sitting where I remember Shannon Mc, McIntosh being there, his incredible producer. Um, I remember looking over at her during the interview and looking at Quentin. It was just like that interview is insane, man. It's look it up on YouTube or find wherever you get our podcast. It's it's volume two of our interviews with him. We've done four, which is crazy.
3: If you're on the the YouTube feed, just look in the corner. I'll I'll drop a little
2: link. I
1: do want to see how long
3: that
2: is while you guys are talking. Go ahead,
1: Jacob. I think I'm going to go our interview with Tom Hanks in Memphis, Um, even though even though the our most recent one from a few weeks ago was just wild and crazy. The reason I'm giving the edge and honestly, like just on a personal level, I loved the second one with Tom Hanks just because of like, the the nature of what we were able to accomplish it really felt much more casual and calm and earned in a way but the reason mm. that I'm going with the first one is all four of us got to be there together um, all of us got to be in person with him yeah and you know one of the things we compared it to was like doing a great um, you know uh, James Lipton journey through all of his films. Like the 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 boxes we were able to somehow check off in what, like 25, 30 minutes uh, mm-hmm. was simply astounding. And and the the bonus of hearing through Tom's team and hearing through Warner Brothers and hearing through some of our friends that were there in Memphis at that time that he was continuously talking about us and mm-hmm. kept going on about how Good of a time he had and we heard it through his publicist and it just, you know, and the fact that like we were all able, one of my favorite things to do after a successful interview that we all care about when we're all together is just have a celebratory drink. And the fact that we are all able to to do that together, it was just it was the perfect combination of just one of the most incredible experiences of my life. So I'm giving Tom Hanks in Memphis.
2: And we said this before on the show, like if you go back and listen to that interview, because obviously we we had him back on for a man called Otto, which I highly recommend you listen to, because that's the one we were scared about doing because we were like because the first one went so well. Mm. And we were like, how do we even top that? Because and we said this before on the show, going into that first interview in Memphis, we did not plan on diving into any of those top topics, especially the same prior Ryan Force Gump. Philadelphia, all that stuff came up completely naturally. I I, I said this before to you guys. I I remember I can see it in my mind when we left that table. We were sitting at to prep and we were walking through the Graceland Mm. room to get to where his room was. Mm. I literally remember standing behind you guys going, guys, I mean, we're about to have Tom Hanks on our podcast. Shouldn't we at least mention the opening of Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah, literally yeah. remember saying that to you guys and you were like, yeah, 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 I know, but we already have our questions. We had them ordered out and everything, you know. And not just well, that, but what is what is what's something you and I have
1: always heard over the last they, like, 15 yeah. years? That he doesn't and love doing retrospective lookbacks, right? Because
2: mm-hmm. he he wants to focus. And again, this is just from what we understand. He wants to focus more on the movie that he's promoting, which I understand completely. Mm-hmm. And he's already talked about all those classic yeah. movies at length. And, that's, and I actually completely understand and respect that idea of things. But. But at the end of the day, when we got when we started diving into that, I was like, this is why I'm here. This is what I want to be talking to this guy about. This is insane.
0: All right. Mine, um, even though we have so many to choose from, has to be Joaquin. uh, (laughs) Oh, no. Because uh, (laughs) Joaquin Phoenix was on our show. Think think about that. Well,
3: yeah. Well, I mean. Anytime I hear someone say, dare I say, like they start yeah. a sentence with, dare I say, I'm brought yeah, back to
1: that. I, I will forever associate that phrase Ever. with Joaquin Phoenix. I can 100%. see his face still
2: in my mind. I can. Yeah. I literally can see the room we were in, the table set up, everything. But Sean, go ahead. I just remember. I'll never forget that that when he turned his, his head. His
0: running joke of every question <laughs> being the last one was hysterical. <laughs> um, and for whatever reason, and, and this is a great example. This is what I love about when the when the three of us do interviews of how. How we can pick up the baton that whatever the whoever we're interviewing is putting down, mm-hmm. like if it's Zimmer um and he's gonna tell emotional stories we're we're willing to let him go, but if it's if it's Joaquin and he wants to be playful, we're <laughs> able to pick that up and go with it as well too. Um, but then in our most recent hanks
2: interview same exact thing like we like 100 that's exactly what happened like he was just Just something we're able to to play yeah
0: and when he started talking about how he wanted to be a fat joker um, (laughs) because gaining weight is easier than losing it because he'd done that before his (laughs) fuck you phoenix story that might be my favorite all of it's just great and it's just (laughs) you could legitimately tell he was having a good time he notoriously hates interviews um, and that one, when we went into it, I was I was worried. I was like, this isn't going to go well. Um, and and we were riding high on like a bunch of positive interviews, and we were like, oh, like kind of feeling our own shit, right? Like, oh, we can you we can do anybody. And then they were like, okay, you get Joaquin Phoenix, and I was like, uh, I was this scared. Be the one oh, but this then, then the one you on the, the you you're forgetting one of the
1: best parts, which is him walking on the hallway and running into Todd Phillips.
0: <laughs> yes, and saying you should go do those guys. There, they're really Cause, great because we so. weren't scheduled yeah.
1: to get them. And then and, right. and if you're just tuning into
2: our show or you haven't heard that interview or heard the story, uh, what we were referring to just now about the dare I say, literally the interview ended uh, and Joaquin Phoenix gets up and, you know, we all thought it went well because it went well, f- considering like we knew we were, we were he might be a tough interview. But yeah. like there was just a vibe that broke out at the initial stage of it with the last question bit that we all just kind of kept running with. But it was the it was the turnaround to me was that he he gets to the door and, and I don't try to remember he goes he goes dare I say that was and then he like stops pauses and like he goes yeah. fun fun question mark <laughs> fun like he was like I think he was shocked and, and didn't he talk about <laughs> yes. us
1: in like an interview because there was some reference he made that Sean you knew what he was talking about and Kevin and I didn't and yes. I, and he like talked about I don't think he like name dropped us but he said something in an interview months later. About like pop culture references being for different generations or something. And he was like, oh, I was talking to these guys recently. Oh, yeah. And two of the younger guys didn't know what I was talking about. But the older guy did. But just what, what, what I take away from that. Oh, yes. Paul is dead. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, but yeah. what what I took away from that is that, like he remembered us and, and mm-hmm. we registered in some form or fashion with a guy who notoriously hates doing these. All things. Right,
0: well, our next guest uh is elizabeth banks who obviously you guys know from several films over the years whether it be the bunker games movies uh or the pitch perfect comedies she is um transitioning into the director's chair having done charlie's angels and now is taking on a wild new comedy called cocaine bear and um i I was just thrilled we were able to get her like i think she was a fun person who i knew was going to fit really well into the podcast um and she has a crazy movie to talk about so without further ado this is elizabeth banks joining the real blend podcast to talk about her new comedy cocaine bear.
2: I just want to know if you can just break down a little bit about what was there for the actors in terms of the bear um, in terms of like what they were seeing, what eye lines they were given. Uh, did you have someone in a suit with moat? was it motion capture performance capture like Andy circus style, um, yeah. but like kind of give an idea of like what that looked like for the actors.
5: So we had an incredible bear performer on set and we cast that person just like you would cast any other actor in the movie. You know, we, we, they, we had to interview them and we got resumes and, you know, we talked to people who were too tall and we talked to people who worked for ILM and, you know, all these different various people. And Alan really came to the table. He was, frankly, the right size. You know, so much of it is about like the size of the person. Um, he's a stunt performer as well, which we really needed somebody that could interact with our actors. Um he knew how to walk as a quadruped on all fours using prosthetic arms so that he could mimic the bear's walk and gait and size um and he wore a he was fitted with a prosthetic head that came sort of attached to his neck and off of it that had a bear snout and it had the eyeballs so that He was the bear in our movie, right? Every actor that's in a scene with the bear interacted with Alan Henry, our bear performer. You ask about mocap. So mocap you would use if you were... If the bear were human, you know, like Andy Circus playing Caesar in the Apes, which was also done by Weta Workshop, who created our bear, who recommended Alan Henry to us in the beginning of this process. Alan is also from New Zealand. Um, he was able to go into Weta Workshop and sort of mark out, you know, his size and everything so that we had a good reference point for our bear. But that... Um, that process of mocap, we didn't really use any of that because I didn't, the bear is not human in any way, right? The bear, I don't need Alan's facial features. Like it's <laughs> never going to look like a, a person. He's never going to talk. Um, so we didn't James really use any. Just shed
1: a tear somewhere right now.
5: <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, and so that was, that was what the actors had to deal with. They were able to be with Alan for everything. They did not have to interact with, you know, Uh, balls on sticks, which I've had to work with, you know, they didn't have to interact with uh, like there was not a lot of green screen in the movie. We really shot it kind of old school CGI, which is you, you have all the environments and you just put the one element in at the end.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Um, Elizabeth, I want to talk about editing specifically because so much of this material could either be treated for comedy or horror. And a lot of that can be decided at the last minute after you've got everything you wanted to shoot and how you wanted to put it together. When you were in the editing room, what were you thinking to try to hit that sweet spot between both of them?
5: I mean, tone was important just in the shoot, too. I mean, I, you know, the edit, yes, you can perfect things, but you have to have the raw materials in order to create tone. Um, You know, you have to have the crazy shots. You gotta have, uh, you gotta be bold. You know, to me, one of the things I loved about this was how audacious it was Mm -hmm. the audacity of the idea, the audacity of these characters. So I was constantly just like trying to upgrade the boldness of every moment, you know? So for instance, in the visitor center, like how we were gonna step through the the motions of that how the the shot of Margot with the gun and the guy yeah. and the door and the bear, <laughs> you know we we I map I saw that in my mind's eye. I knew what the, what I wanted to come at camera. I knew how many <laughs> times I wanted to use the device of things coming at camera. Yeah. You'll yeah. see in the movie. There's about there's things going away from the camera, and then there's things coming right at you, like out into the audience and we we i tried to use that really effectively to like truly put people almost in a ride like a universal ride you know what i mean like when you yeah. when you're in a roller coaster i wanted it to feel viscerally chaotic because there's nothing more chaotic than a bear high on cocaine rampaging around <laughs> so how do we create that sense of chaos you know you do it through multiple techniques and a lot of it is camera work um some of it is the actors you know how they're interacting with it how grounded they are or outraged or crazy um the speed at which things happen you know how fast or slow um uh, playing with that the speed that that all all of that came in there was an interplay of many many elements gotcha
1: elizabeth i'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the series the americans obviously starring uh carrie but also starring Matthew Reese, a great dramatic actor, an any winning dramatic actor. But walking away from this film, I just thought I need to see Matthew Reese in like a screwball comedy. Like I laughed so hard (laughs) at him and the scenes in the plane. How did you know to to tap into this side of Matthew Matthew Reese? That like, as a fan, I've never seen him do anything like that before.
5: Well, I am very lucky in that I've known Matthew Reese for about 20 years. So I met him, one of the first people I ever met when I moved to L.A. and, and got into Hollywood. Um, he was friends of a friend of a friend, and I went to dinner with him very early on. I knew he was, he's been hilarious. He's a hilarious actor. Um, you know, I think he's so multifaceted. I got really lucky. He came with Carrie to Ireland Um, we'd cast Mm -hmm. Carrie in the movie and he literally texted me after reading the script and asked if he could play Andrew Thornton. And, um, he basically cast himself in the movie because I was like looking for somebody that we could bring to Ireland. We were looking, we, I knew I wanted it to be a cameo. I wanted it to be a recognizable actor so that you really felt Mm -hmm. like, in the opening sequence, oh, wow, this is a big actor. Like, this guy's going to play a big role in the movie. Well, surprise, surprise, right? So I'm all <laughs> constantly trying to surprise the audience. So we were looking at actors who were already shooting, for instance, in Ireland. There were a bunch of people over there making things. And so getting that text from Matthew, man, he, he, he instantly solved a big problem for me.
2: Wow. That's wow. awesome. You know, I, I would imagine a lot of people are going to bring up Ray Liotta to you, but I, I was thinking about his filmography a lot recently in Copland and Goodfellas. And obviously the work he had done with James Mangold and Scorsese, and all these incredible filmmakers. And so this, I believe, is his final, final film, final film role, wow, um, which yeah. is absolutely incredible to think about. I just wondered, you know, the idea of having him in this movie, what that means to you and and the idea. I read some story that he came to do ADR like right before He had passed. Can you talk about that? I mean, it's really emotional, very very amazing, though. He's great in the film.
5: He is great in the film. Um, I worked with Ray on a little movie over a decade ago. I saw him come to set like consummate professional, you know, just amazing, like delivered um, a long monologue, like nailed it instantaneously. But he also was very charming, and he had a real kind of like mischievous glint in his eye. You know, I think that's what made him such an amazing Henry Hill, for instance, right? Is like he's got a little bit of like a wild man in him, but he yeah. has a huge heart. He's just a the sweetest guy, and um, so he came very joyfully to this process. He actually, after he read the script, we were on the phone. And um, he asked for more jokes. He was like, I feel like everybody's got really funny stuff to do. Like, I need some more funny stuff to do. And I just <laughs> loved that he was game. You know, he was going to come. That's the tone I needed. Every actor that came had to be game. They had to kind of wink. You know, we had to understand, like, this movie's crazy. Just go with it. We're going to have a great time. That's kind of the energy inside of it. And um, he felt he, he came joyfully to set to do some crazy stuff, you know, and put on that long-haired wig and you know the 70s clothes and um he just was fantastic i mean i i'm so grateful to him i've been told very early on that like uh, women don't direct a lot of action because uh because m- frankly th- this particular producer thought that men don't follow women like that it's hard for women to lead men when it comes to like these real muscular actiony things so the idea that Ray Liotta came to my set and happily was led by me, that I was able to direct like Henry Hill, I feel like I could do anything. Like at Blue, that mythology totally opened for me. And um, so I'm forever grateful for that because it gave me a lot of confidence.
2: And the ADR must have been really special too, doing that because like he's famous, the narration he did on Goodfellas is like the ultimate ADR. Like it was like the ultimate, like what that was. So I would imagine those mm-hmm. sessions were pretty special for you.
5: I was just having he'd never seen the bear right so like my actors were coming to ADR and they're like oh my god that's what it looks like you know they had never they didn't know what the bear was going to look like um all, all it was was promises for me you know uh, so finally they got to see like okay I had fulfilled my promise the bear looks great it looks like a totally real bear um that was really fun to see him see it and just be you know be happy and impressed
0: um this concept that that you uh, women can't direct action is going to get blown to hell uh, when people see your ambulance chase scene, which is phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. But but specifically inside of that scene, I want you to talk about Margot Martindale, who just goes through a range of emotions throughout the course of this movie, (laughs) from where she starts to where she ends up. Talk a bit about working with her and everything you're able to pull out of her.
5: (laughs) So I I worked with Margot Martindale on a television series called Mrs. America, Um, I, the very first day that I went to that set was with her and I revere her as an actor, you know, she's amazing. I'm a huge fan. And I was actually quite concerned that she was going to be really serious. And so, you know, I was like, I cannot mess about. I'm going to be totally prepared. I'm not going to, I'm going to know all my lines. Like I am not going to let Margo Martindale intimidate me. And then we got to set and she was like singing show tunes and she was so funny, and she was so delightful, and we just fell in like fast friends. Yeah. And when I read this script a couple years later, I immediately pictured her as Ranger Liz. And I don't think anyone else pictured this a 70-year-old Margot Martindale as Ranger Liz, <laughs> but man, I saw it. And um, I was very happy that the studio and my producing partners sort of all got behind the idea of Margot in that role Because, man, does she deliver. She is so funny. I think she's a revelation. She was also really worried about doing the stunts. You know, she's 70 years old. And she was like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to how are you going to make it look real? And, man, it came together. I I, again, it was a lot of me making promises that I had to hold up my end of. But she was very happy. And more most importantly, she said after she saw it that she made herself laugh.
0: Oh, (laughs) I love. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> uh elizabeth i'm about to
1: strike a match and throw it on on gasoline for a second because uh, you oh. you and oh. i you and i had a great debate earlier about uh who is the real villain of this film is it is it the bear or is it the the, the men who dropped the drugs and the reason that i brought up that conversation is because these guys are, are two of my best friends on this planet the most we've ever argued and yelled and screamed and clawed at each other is the shark jaws who's the villain debate and i now find myself i was really hoping that you would split the difference but i found myself outnumbered because you told me you believe the shark is no i'm sorry you, you think yeah you shouldn't you think the shark no. Or the mayor? No the mayor. The mayor. the mayor. the mayor. The mayor is the villain. The mayor, the mayor
2: keeps that The makes no open. sense. The shark was doing its normal shark things. It was in That's the water. Ju- but it like wasn't doing
1: normal shark things. Sharks don't it Okay, was. okay. Elizabeth, I'd like to give you the floor to, <laughs> yeah, to give your defense for this wrong. It's the opinion. same thing with the bear. The bear's not the villain here. The people are the villains.
5: Definitely not. No, this is a redemption story for the bear. The bear is the hero of this movie. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think that men man's hubris when it comes to nature is the villainy. It is we can don't worry we can control nature. That has never been true. It will never be true. Right. We got to let it go and we got to start being a lot more caring and a lot more concerned when it comes to what we are doing to nature you know this movie is literally like we inject drugs into like the natural environment and expect that everything will turn out okay like this is a this is an allegory for a much bigger idea right um, I felt that when I read the script I ultimately I want to just entertain people so this is let's not pretend this movie like political or anything it's not um, but I definitely felt as, as, a, as an artist that that was, there was a little something about sort of the chaos of the world around us. You know, I read this script in the pandemic. There there were fires in California. You know, my kids are wearing masks to, like, just play outside. And it just felt like, man, we, you know, making this movie felt a little bit to me, like my ability, I was able to sort of tame the chaos a little bit. And just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, remind myself, like, nature should be our happy place. It should be a place that brings us peace, you know? And so... At the end of this movie, it's very peaceful in the woods, and um, I, it's like we restore that sense to the outdoors. And I, I think reminding people that we cannot control nature was definitely a part of this. And in Jaws, that may, you the mayor's like, don't you know we can we can handle this situation. You can't go up against the shark. And who knows why the shark was acting out? I, I get it. You think that's not a shark doing shark things? I'm not sure I agree with that, right. but um, it doesn't matter because the shark decided it was going to start eating people. Well, then you got to get everybody off, the, you know, out of the water.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I hope you have. You have officially replaced me on Real Blend, so I hope you're happy. Yeah, you, you have to you have to deal with these guys once a week now.
2: <laughs> um, you know, uh, Sean brought up tone earlier and I want to mention Mark's score because it's a phenomenal score. Like, like it's a genuinely awesome score within a film that is dealing with different tonal shifts in terms of being over the top, but also serious at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be really cool because as as a filmmaker, you direct your actors, but then when, when a score becomes a bit of a character in a film, I would imagine that conversations with Mark may be similar to what you would have with an actor in terms of like arcs and kind of tone and shifting tones and things like that. So how much, what were your conversations like with Mark in terms of the tonal shifts and kind of what that score was going to give to each scene and how we perceived it?
5: Yeah. I mean, we had incredible, he's such an incredible collaborator. He's so um, facile. He's just so quick. He writes so fast. Um, First of all, you know, the movie t- takes place in 1985 and so you, nobody's going to understand that period when it comes to music better than Mark Mothersbaugh, right? So I I've been <laughs> fortunate enough to work with him before. I was thrilled to go back to Mark for this film. He loves the, the tone, you know, he that's what he does. He li- he has fun with the music. The this film had to be fun but also had to be scary, had yeah. to be heroic, you know. I uh, the bear has its own theme. It had to set a sense of place a little bit, you know, had to move. It has to, like, move the story along. Um, he he really got it. He really did it all. And And frankly, at the very end of the process, I mean, like, literally, like, we were in final mix. And I asked him for new music for the very end because... We just wanted the audience to go out on like a big, big, big high, and you know the end. Of it, it was like it's very. There's a lot of sweet things, emotional things that happen at the end, and I think Mark really loved those sort of emotional beats, like the river and the dog and things like that. He loved that. But at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, but also I want people to leave pumped. I want people to walk out like psyched, you know? And so he was like, I got it, I got it. And he just kind of imbued a little more energy in all of those moments and brought back some other pieces of music. So I, I'm so grateful that he collaborated with me on this
0: great score. Great score.
5: All right. So we talk a lot about nature uh, and these uh,
0: heartfelt elements, but this is a gory film. <laughs> Yeah, you really embellish the kills. I seem to think that you really love um, a severed leg. Like it seems like we have a couple of severed legs that appear out of. is there a theme coming through here with these kills?
5: You know, when you look at real um, attacks, Weirdly, it's the legs that get ripped off. <laughs> so part of it was that. Um, you know, the and part of it was uh, the, the opening sequence when that leg comes in, that was always, I always imagined it like that. I asked for that. You know, the original script, didn't. it opened on the kids in the woods. Um, so, and I thought, you know, we have to set the tone of this movie right away. We ha- and one of my touch points was Jurassic Park. People talk about like Jaws and, and they talk about um, animal attack movies, Cujo and things like that. Here's the thing. Bears are not inherently that scary. They're adorable. Like we, we look at bears and we're like, oh, it's so cute, you know? And I remember when in Jurassic Park, the original, like when they saw those dinosaurs, they were awe inspired, right? It was like, wow, we're seeing such a cool thing in nature. Wow, wow, wow. And then the wow turns to terror when you realize, oh wait a minute, I- I'm too close. It can move faster than I realize. Like it, you know, y- you just you get that like your instinct kicks in after the "whoa, how cute" <laughs> goes away, and you realize like, oh my god, this thing's a threat. You know, I'm I'm its prey, and that was my true north. It was like, how do we turn the awe and wonder of seeing a, a real animal in nature? something you want to do you know oh like they say we have such good luck in nature and turn that on its head into terror and then how do we sort of you know upgrade that so that everybody understands like and we're gonna go there with this movie like this movie is gonna be insane the 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 kills are gonna be big time um Mm -hmm. we're gonna take you on a ride you know i think that that kind of those sorts of moments are very visceral for people. And I want pe- the pit of people's stomachs to drop, you know, when they see certain things. I, that's for me part of the ride I'm putting the audience on. It's how I can start to kind of like invest the audience and control them literally within their bodies, like viscerally in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted everybody's sphincter to tighten up while they were sitting in their chair. Yeah.
2: My vision accomplished. was hanging down from the tree and you just hear yeah. the biting of the leg and I'm like, yeah. oh my God, and the blood just like, yeah. so, oh, it was so brutal.
1: Elizabeth, I'm going to cut you loose on this. Uh, whenever I got done seeing it for the first time, my thought was, I really want to see it again, but I'd love for the presentation to be like an old drive-in theater. I'd love for for it to be like an old print of this movie so there are like Uh, some scratches and maybe some cigarette burns. That just feels like it would be the perfect sort of atmosphere for this movie. Um, What would your perfect viewing experience of this movie be?
5: That's pretty good. I mean, I... I definitely. I don't think people should like lie lie down with blankets. I think you want to be, you know, sort of like upright while you're watching this movie. The drive-through is such a great idea. I mean, I, I, now I'm picturing sitting in the, on the swing set, you know, backlit by the bear attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the stars open above you. I, I'm 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 down for this idea. I'm I'm actually really enjoying that vibe. It's also, like they... hearing it like the tinny. Sort of I don't know if you remember, but like the tinny sound coming through the like speakers and stuff. And instead I of cigarette agree.
2: burns, you just have beer, bear claws across the
5: yeah, screen. Yeah, bear claws. That's great. I just I think that being outside in nature at night while you watch the movie that's outside in nature at night. Yeah. I think yeah. That's, that's it. Because they do I jaw like screenings
1: that. where you can like float in the water. So that would be that would be perfect. Yeah. So also goodness. great too. So you can watch the you can watch the Bill and Shark.
0: Hand out and, cocaine and then yeah, screen this yeah, in, the, yeah. in the woods for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, we're so uh, ha- thankful for having you on the show. And uh, and we can't wait for everybody to get a chance to see this. I know we're going to have a blast with it. I'm glad it's one of those movies that that's now available in theaters when crowds can get together and see it because this is definitely a crowd experience. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your yeah. time.
5: Oh, I appreciate it too. Thanks, guys.
0: This
3: episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force.
0: Uh, We want to thank Elizabeth Banks for joining the show and speaking about Cocaine Bear and of course our friends at Universal Pictures for hooking us up with that interview. We always love getting a filmmaker of that caliber onto Real Blend. We're going to review Cocaine Bear a little bit later on in the show. Uh, I want to get over to the nominations for the third annual Critics' Choice Super Awards. So, um, and full disclosure, I do a lot of work for the Critics Choice Association on the Super Awards. In particular, I'm one of the chairs for the uh, film division alongside Travis Hobson, who runs a, a website called Punch Drunk Critics. Oh, I know Travis. Travis.
2: I've known Travis for years. He were he I, I see him. We actually sat next to him at the at Black Panther uh, Wakanda Black Panther Forever screening. screening.
0: Yep, 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 exactly. So Travis and I work hand in hand on the film side of this is also a TV committee that, that does um, their picks for Super Awards. The reason why I love the Super Awards and why I, I am more invested in them than I am, say, the traditional Critics' Choice Awards or the, um, the Oscars is because I feel like with the categories that we do, which are uh, horror, science fiction, fantasy, uh, action and comic book. We get into more of the populist uh, titles and the actors that people care about. Um, and I wanted to bring them up on the show today because we just announced the nominations today. And I know that they're going to. Well, uh, on Wednesday, when we're recording, you guys are hearing this on Friday. I know that there are going to be some titles that you guys are super interested in hearing about. Case in point, uh, the Batman leads all film nominations with six.
1: Can I make a confession? Uh, yeah. We we often um, you know we we talk about our top ten list and and how they age for better or for worse and we we've, we've looked back on some of our top ten list years down the line and gone like sure. ah you know maybe I shouldn't maybe that's too high I'm already kicking myself for not putting the Batman on my top ten list interesting should, it's, it's, it's 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 it, good. Not, it's I, not I, a I really 10, I, I I think it, I th- I'm kicking my and and uh, you know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just going on the record. <laughs> it, it didn't take long. Well, usually it takes sure. me longer yeah, than I that know. to start Maybe, kicking. We haven't finished
2: yeah. February yet. I know. I know.
0: Uh, it's good. Here, it's a good movie. Here's some, some other things I'm proud of. In the action movie uh, category, we have RRR uh, nominated. Damn, right. uh, we also have two of the actors from the film uh, uh, nominated in the best actor in an action movie category. The action movie actor category also has Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick and Brad Pitt for Bullet Train. Uh, Nicolas Cage is in there for the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, Top Gun, Maverick and Bullet Train are in the action movie category. So is the Woman King and Viola Davis also got a nomination. Damn right. I'm just saying, I feel like the super awards are a place where you can honestly recognize people who are doing great work in some of these broader, more mainstream topics. Um, Have I want to jump down to science fiction because I know you're going to appreciate this. Uh, Nope. Made it into best science fiction fantasy movie. Wow. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya got in for actor. Somebody and, actually understands how great that movie is. And Kiki Palmer got in for uh, best actress in a science fiction fantasy movie. Um, in addition to that, Everything Everywhere All at Once still did incredibly well. It it got a uh, picture for science fiction fantasy. Uh, Kihoi Kwan got in for actor and then actress. We got Stephanie uh, Shu and Michelle Yeoh, which I'm really, really happy about. Uh, Amber Mid-Thunder got in for Prey, yes. which I think is cool. terrific. Cool, cool pick. Space space right. uh, Very cool Jake, pick. I'll go to Horror for you because Please. you will appreciate this. The best horror movies, according to the Super Awards. Barbarian, The Black Phone, okay. Pearl, okay. Smile, Speak No Evil, and X.
1: Okay, I was going to say, if X doesn't get in, my God.
0: X is in. Nope Here's should actor. also be there, by the way. Well, no, we had to pick categories and we put Nope in Sci-Fi.
1: I would call it sci-fi over... I'd
3: call it sci-fi. You went from no nominations to now you're nitpicking the nomination you got. All right? We gotta be, we
0: gotta be happy. I feel about that. I, 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 I mean, it's about,
3: an, it's about an alien. There it's was internal
0: discussion. I will say there was internal <laughs> discussion about how it was featured. And movie. Sean, what would you vote for horror? <laughs> oh, let me take a look at the categories Barbarian. again. Uh, no, so, Sean, how does this Barbarian. work? Are,
3: is everyone in the Critics Association going to vote on these? Is that how it works? Or is it just like a...
0: So we had nominating committees um, okay. who came together and worked on either uh, action, comic book, horror, or science fiction. They all made their recommendations, and then everybody had to give three per category, and then we just tallied who did the most. But now it's wide open. Anybody in the entire Critics Choice? Oh, that's me. For these, that is you. Yes, and of that group, uh, I'm voting Black Phone for horror movie. Interesting. Did you not you see why, X? Why do you,
2: you, I saw you, I, you sleep yeah, on Barbarian but, a little bit. I don't. Know I love Barbarian. But I'm no, going no, next, I, know, I know Jake does, but, Sean, no, but I'm going to be anything. honest.
1: I I liked, it's but fine. didn't
2: love Black Phone. Like I I thought, I thought it was good, right? But mm-hmm. well, Sean Sean doesn't like great movies. Like he didn't like Nope. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <He's messing>.
1: I, <laughs> I am not ready for the discourse of this podcast. If in some form or fashion Sean doesn't love Oppenheimer, I am not oh, no. ready for for the meltdown yeah. that is going to occur the question is yeah. is Gabe ready for the meltdown well, it's just, gonna be one of those situations where Gabe and I just sort of lean back
0: but this isn't uh, fair Kevin has already declared it the greatest movie ever made I have
2: not I said it's my most anticipated and I just finished the book I'm very I'm very excited this is like you being excited about No Way Home if, yeah, before you even saw No Way Home you were I excited know. about it I
0: know
3: I'll just say this if if we go watch Oppenheimer and it turns out that it's not good <laughs> we might never put up an episode ever again. Like, <laughs> if, if we Announce anything. The an show will cease it's to awful. <laughs> Will cease to
0: exist. Yeah, I, I mean, just it's for Nolan. not going to be not good. You know, like there's no See? way that, that Nolan makes a bad movie. As yeah. so much I, as I dislike I, I just, Interstellar, I, I'm not going to say Interstellar is a bad movie. I just don't like it. Sean, I just pictured I like uh, like a
1: uh, No Way Home for Kevin, but it's just a bunch of different Nolans swinging Nolans. around the Statue of Liberty,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they all landed like those
1: different like
2: superhero poses. <laughs> One of them's going backwards. You know, the other the other the other one's in black and white. <laughs> One of like, them's pooping.
0: I'm- one of them's just playing his kids. blows <laughs> <Jesus laughs> Kevin's mind. That's an inside joke. That's way inside joke. Um,
3: Sean, on that note, I want to put my uh, hard-hitting journalist glasses. <laughs> oh, no. And ask Whoa. you some questions. Um, no, because I'm curious. What is, what, is there going to be any sort of ceremony to these awards, or is it more you guys as an association are going to announce oh. your winners?
0: That's a great question um, for oh, this is a great year. We, we tried really hard. <laughs> I'll give you guys a little inside baseball. Uh, we tried really hard to partner with an event that would allow us to have a ceremony that was part of, say, WonderCon or San Diego Comic Con or even South by Southwest because of the timing of it. Oh, because yeah. We released our, our winners in March, and that was a March event kind of as well, too. We weren't able to scramble together something that was satisfactory to us to be able to get the nominees out there. So for this year in particular, they will just be announced and then we'll have uh, winners give their speeches via uh, hand recorded videos that they do. And then we'll post them on our website. But we are building toward a partnership um, with some type of a festival where it will be a couple of panels that are dedicated to genre filmmaking uh, hopefully showcasing some of the members of the Critics' Choice, and then um, as part of that, maybe three-day uh, event. Then on the Saturday night, we will have a ceremony that will oh, that's hand cool. The winners too, yeah. So I mean, this is infancy stages. This is the third yeah. annual. Are they going the to make us wait in another room when COVID-19. that happens too? Yeah. <laughs>
3: I ask because looking at the nominees the last, you know, couple of years, it does feel like a list of projects and talent that, as you're saying, that are, are very populous, that a lot of people would be interested in. And as we're constantly having this conversation about do award ceremonies have a place in, you know, sort of like the, the mainstream audience as far as network TV and all of that, this feels like the sort of thing that could turn into... Um, an interesting thing for people to see people to watch, like, especially if yeah. like, I imagine these movies that people have championed throughout the year. Imagine yeah. Justin Long getting on stage for barbarian, you know, like, like the, what a, what a thing that we don't think of that yeah. in the awards season. Um So I'm curious to see how it develops.
0: Like imagine this category. This is uh actors for a comic book role. If all five of these showed up uh, for your, your event. It would be Benedict Cumberbatch for Doctor Strange, Paul Dano for the Batman, Colin Farrell for the Batman, Tanakh Huerta for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Robert Pattinson for the Batman. I mean, that's a stacked category, you know? And it's a stacked co- category that fans of those movies would want to tune in to see to see who gets it.
2: Yeah.
3: So. And, and still, and the fan favorite Everything Everywhere All at Once is also represented.
2: Right? It's Absolutely. like, it, yeah.
1: Are you guys uh, starting guys- to
2: feel a little swell of
1: Top Gun maybe winning Best Picture? God, I wish. I, I th- if we if we can have this conversation, if it were to win PGA and WGA, then I would say, yeah, a lot of people keep comparing it to Coda. But at the end of the day, Coda still won all the necessary. Like, yes, it had a late surge, but Coda still won all of the necessary markers you oftentimes needed. Look, there are exceptions to every rule. But it still won all of those things needed. And the thing that Coda had going for it that Top Gun doesn't is uh, a swell of actor support. Like there was like there was the Troy Kotser win. I think Top Gun not having any acting nominations hurts it. Did it get I editing? Think I, uh, it did get an editing nomination, but it didn't oh, get cinematography, wow. which showed a little bit of weakness. Um, and, mm. uh, and 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 Cruz. I, I think we could be taking this a lot more seriously if Cruz were in the actor race. If it somehow, if it wins WGA and PGA, Dude, then I think then I think we're talking about it. Spielberg I just don't see that happening. told
2: Tom Cruise that literally that movie, I want to paraphrase it, that it saved the industry. It saved yes. it was asked. So, yeah. so
3: that was going to be my question is, do Big you deal. think that not that not that that quote went viral and is going to change people's minds? But do you think that there are enough people in the voting body that Who feel that, that way? way? That they're like, like, is there a is the producer group big enough or are there enough actors that that think about movies in that way or feel that way about theatrical? Yeah, we also have industry. to talk about the
1: preferential ballot like that is such an X factor when it comes to right. what wins best picture, because like for every person that's going to put everything everywhere all at once at number one, there are going to be quite a few, maybe older Academy voting voting members who didn't get it. That they're putting it at maybe seven, eight, nine and ten. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, but I lost them on the, I, the hot dog fingers, lost them on, on the hot dog fingers or the uh, fighting dildos movie, or the fighting butt bl- s- plugs. Didn't, um, didn't, didn't they win DGA? They did yes. win DGA, which the is Gales big. Won DGA, yeah. which is so, really I, so I think big. I think Spielberg shot at at uh, best director number three is done. <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't argue I, that
0: there's no love for could, Fableman's. You could There's see no, DJ,
1: You could see. I know, and we'll we'll get into this
2: obviously as we get closer to the Oscars. But you could sure. you could potentially see a director go to the Daniels and then Top
1: Gun taking picture. I wouldn't be mad about that.
2: Neither no, would I. Fine, Fun. I'm
0: okay uh,
2: with that. I, but... I just feel like Top Gun. It, everyone loves that movie, yeah. and like, yeah. which is Spielberg, which is what the preferential yeah. ballot is all about. Which is also why Cruz went to that event. I mean, I would imagine, I yeah. Because
1: okay, so isn't that sort of interesting, guys? Like, like yeah, you know, like of, Top Gun has been events. nominated for everything. Yeah. That's the first time he's really mm-hmm. shown up and shaking hands. And didn't you guys find it interesting that all the articles that talked about what we're talking about right now, if you don't know, is the uh, the Oscar nominees luncheon where everyone who's nominated shows up, sort of hangs out, talks to each other, has lunch, and then they all pose for a picture. Mm-hmm. The, every single story I read about it was all about how Tom everybody Cruise. in that room was making a beef Line over which kind of makes me feel like isn't it kind of crazy like this this is going to sound like the douchiest most name droppy thing ever and so i beg like your forgiveness bring it on. but isn't it nuts that like we all have multiple pictures with tom cruise and yeah. every actor in that room was <laughs> beelining over to try to yeah. get like one picture like a thing yeah. that we have like five of dude yeah. to, to, I mean, to the point it, yeah. to the point
3: earlier though that leads me to believe that a lot of those people are going to be filling out their ballots and going you know what that movie fucking saved my job i'm yeah. putting that down
2: I mean, that Spielberg quote was. Yeah, but Spielberg really
3: ain't gonna vote go for
1: it. He no, might, but I'm saying, I just mean that no, is won. that
3: the reflection of the
2: mentality of What a do lot you think he votes yeah. for? Everything, ever All at Once? I think
1: he votes for Fablements. He's a tar guy
2: oh uh, do you think he votes for his own movie hell yeah he no. does no, yes. votes for their own yes movies? absolutely you think, they, you, think they, you think he puts Fablemans at one absolutely I, he does
1: I, I, I don't think he does i guy i would I, he would ne- I, I don't know if he would ever talk about it but i i, I bet you why wouldn't he especially I I, especially I when think he thinks his like movie that. might be on the cusp oh i guarantee mm-hmm. you he does
2: I don't I,
1: I it actually doesn't matter what
3: year it is. He writes in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he writes in
0: Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it lost oh, yeah. At it the top, year he, year he just writes, yeah. you owe me for you owe it. me yeah. for
3: Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one vote for Saving Private Ryan. 2020. <laughs> Wait, what the what what is,
2: is, <laughs> What's his first best picture win? Shane Shane Lose, Lose list. Is that his yeah. only?
1: Uh, yeah, that's his only, only best picture win. And then he has uh, two other Oscars for director. I mean, Schindler's List probably is his best movie.
2: Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I actually aired a couple is. of
1: clips on the show today because we had Liam Neeson on, the, on my show. We were doing the 30th anniversary Schindler's List and we aired the um, I could have saved more oh, moment at the end. Yeah. And it's just like in that 30 seconds, you're just reminded of like, oh, this oh. is this is the movie that. Yeah, because I because I think it's one of those, it's one of those movies that like people forget how good it is and and they're just told and kind of parrot yeah. like yeah. oh yeah this is great but it's hard it. to rewatch. Yes, just, like it's not never never seen a movie
3: before. Yeah,
2: but I always I always try
3: to find someone who hasn't seen it as yeah. an opportunity to rewatch yeah. it. That's a great. Like, yeah, because oh, okay, otherwise, is,
2: yeah, 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 same. I mean, you could mm-hmm. make an argument that the scene when the actors are walking with the real people, the generations mm-hmm. of people, is one of the most powerful. Oh God. Pieces of cinema I've ever seen in my life, because it was like you took this horrifically awful event in history and you paired it with this story of somebody who did something so incredible Mm -hmm. to help people. And then the number of lives that generationally rip to live. What what a brilliant idea. And that could have. Oh, what a scene. What a scene. I I can't imagine. I feel like you guys are sleeping on
0: the BFG, though. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love, listen, I like the BFG. One of my favorite interviews go. I ever have with Spielberg was for the BFG, actually. He was great for what that.
1: Are, what other uh, uh, Best Picture nominees he would have gotten? Uh, Jaws, Raiders, ET, Color Purple. He lost Saving Private Ryan to Shakespeare and Life. He's got a lot recently. The Post, British I think, spies. Shindler,
2: I think Schindler is his best movie. I think it is. I think it's the best movie he's ever made. I really do. I, I mean, what, it's, what did Tarantino say? best movie versus Ooh. best film. Yeah. And he said, Jaws, Jaws, was, Jaws was the movie. best movie yeah. ever made, but he said it was different from film is what yeah. I remember him explaining. Yeah. That. Yeah,
1: but, yeah. But he, but he also said temple of doom is the best.
2: Uh, temple of doom is amazing. And, amazing. and he's right. He's, he's not that? the best. Tarantino loved temple of doom. He was on our side. Oh. That's, That's right, it is. It's terrific. It's great. Kevin, uh, I, don't, really,
1: I, don't, I don't know if I ever told you, because uh, I don't know if you saw the updated. I did this piece on this movie prop collector outside of Chicago and, and uh, a scene that I added to a later cut of the piece. Uh, thank you. Uh, the, he has the heart. Oh, from
0: Temple of
2: doom. so cool. Oh oh the pro, oh the prop part. Yeah, okay. yeah, the prop is the The, prop the part. scene that basically created
1: yeah. the PG-13. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: Uh this week in movies. Uh there's a film coming to Netflix uh by Christopher Landon who did uh Freaky, I believe, and Happy Death Freaky Day. Freaky and Happy Death Day. And it's called We Have a Ghost. And Jacob saw it. Jake, I did.
1: Uh, This was a a pretty pleasant surprise for me. Um, I I got the junket and pressed play, not knowing much about it, other than like I'd kind of seen like a little bit of a trailer and thought like, oh, I don't know. This doesn't look great. Um, And all of a sudden, like these kind of these one liners and this really sharp script just started standing out to me and really kind of making me perk up and go, oh, that's that's funny. That's Oh, that's clever. Oh, that's that's interesting how they shot that. The opening the opening shot is fantastic. There's there's and there's also like for horror aficionados. There's really great little tips of the cap to like classic ghost stories. There's a red ball that rolls across the floor, which, you know, if you know the changeling, like, you know. And so I kept thinking like, well, look, this movie is. Look, look, I'm not going to sit here and say like it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was just so much significantly better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, I had to go pause and go like, OK, who wrote and directed this? And then when I saw it was landed, I went, that makes much more sense. If you've seen gotcha. Freaky, if you've seen particularly Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, which are incredibly Happy Death Day is clever, amazing. so smart, clever, funny, scary movies, uh, it, it just those. you realize it just fits into I would say. I liked didn't love freaky and I love happy death day. I would say the barometer on this leans a little bit closer to freaky than it's not nearly as good as like a happy death day. But it does still feature that sharp, witty, fun, clever sense of humor. Um, Mackie and David Harbour are, are really strong in it. David Harbour has to do a lot because he's not allowed to speak. He plays a ghost that cannot speak. So he has to speak a lot with his eyes and it really gave me a better appreciation for how good of an actor he is. Oh, it's um, so, fu- so funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off, but no, uh, you want something up just now that I've I'm trying to remember
2: the exact scene because the point you just made about him acting without dialogue and using his eyes, I I, I asked him. Um, Did you do the junket? Yeah. And I said, I said, going back like in your career, was there a I said, was there a silent moment that you had as an actor where you didn't have dialogue question. that actually you remember? Please,
1: please tell that. me he said that's a good question when you asked that. Cause that is a great question. I think. I th- I thank you but uh he was he silent. silent he actually he silent. gave no yeah. answer <laughs> No but I but
2: I said was the, do you remember a scene that impacting you that you couldn't speak that it was but it was more of like just the way you had to do it and he he brought up a scene from Revolutionary Road um which hmm. I forgot he was in um Because right? Sam Mendes and and hmm. I, I forgot I forgot he was in that Yeah I think I think, I think it was Revolutionary, revolutionary Road Yeah um, he's in
1: Revolutionary Road
2: And I, that was I, I didn't know that it was based on a book I guess it was um hmm. because he talked about this scene that was in the book that they didn't have in the script or something like that. And he and he said he remembered how he felt on the day, not saying the dialogue. It was like it was pretty cool, like where his mind went on that. But anyways, I, you just brought it yeah. back to my mind because you're talking about him acting with, with his eyes and more silently. Um, but yeah, anyways, go. Yeah. go it's, it's a strong
1: film. It's on Netflix. I think if you uh, press play, you will be very pleasantly surprised at how sharp and clever it really is. I was, I was telling you,
3: you and I were talking about this before. Christopher Landon is a really exciting filmmaker. You were kind of yeah. touching on that to the point where I wasn't sure. It kind of just looked like a whatever Same. Netflix yeah, movie, exactly. even yeah. though I love David Harbor. Yeah. And then I saw I saw that he was doing it and I was like, oh, well, I'm yeah. sure it's got to be
1: more yeah. interesting. When, than, whenever I read the, the premise and saw like the first 30 seconds of the trailer, honestly, my first thought was like, what are Mackie and Harbour doing? I, he's, he's, I would mm-hmm. love
3: to get him on the show because every time I see him talking about we yeah. can he's movie making, you know, he yeah, is
1: art, uh, he's just art. really
3: interesting. Really, yeah, He interesting lit up whenever director. I
1: told him, I was like, whenever I asked him if the red ball that rolled across the floor in the yeah. attic is a changeling reference, he was like, dude, yeah, yes, thank you. Like, like he's uh-huh. he's a horror
0: aficionado well let's put the let's put the blender family on it tweet at him i think he's on twitter all right so the big movie opening this week is cocaine bear um which has gotten a ton of attention because of its the unique based on a true story angle uh of drugs that were thrown from a from an airplane and landed in the woods of tennessee and a bear uh got into them and but so from what I understand, everything that takes place in the movie is like speculation of what might have happened, had the bear. Well, No, the, well, the bear, bear didn't yeah, kill the
2: bear died um, pretty much. I mean, I don't know the timing of it, but uh, so I'll bring this up because O'Shea Jackson Jr. made a great point in my interview for this. He goes, he goes, we're basically Titanic um, because the the point he's making is that we're based on a real event but yeah. some, but things have changed and circumstances have changed. Like so, like yeah, the Titanic did happen. That it hit the iceberg. Just like this bear did get into this cocaine that came out of this, you know, airplane. Okay. But you know, the Jack and Rose story is obviously the fictional aspect sure, of it. Sure. And then cocaine bear then goes, "All right, we're now uh, now we're going to take this into like a Jaws centered idea, and we're going to have what, what what would happen if the bear actually got high on cocaine and became." like super powered and murderous towards like bad people.
1: Um, I even equated more to like a Texas chainsaw massacre, like Texas chainsaw is based on a killer in Wisconsin, but basically it takes that this premise and it's like, okay, but, but this happened, but what if it actually happened like this? Right. And,
2: and and I think O.J. Jackson Jr. Jr., uh, was kind of like just, Playing around, obviously sure, Titanic sure. is a very different situation. But I think the point he was making was that, like he, Alden Ehrenreich even chimed in too. They're they're both based on real events that have taken these real events and putting put, in, put sure. them more into an extreme movie centered environment. The um, st- stupid question though: the Jack and Rose characters are they based on anybody for real? yeah uh, no, okay so they I'm, are completely fictional of. like, okay, like
1: right, molly okay. brown it's, is
0: and yeah like, the sure. and, molly brown
1: and then most yeah. most of the secondary characters are but my understanding is that james cameron was basically looking to make romeo and juliet on the titanic
2: right yeah. and so that's kind of what i think they were getting yeah, at it was like the Monty Hughes it's, and all a that. it's a real story and he got and, romeo. And, yeah and <laughs> actually you're right <laughs> i didn't even think about that <laughs> um but yeah no but that i mean this film so one of my favorite things about this movie is telling people it's a true. It's based on a true story, um, because in the real story, such a loose way to put it yeah, inspired it's it's no by inspired <laughs> yeah, by. Exactly. But it actually is. So like so down to the to the to the whole scenario from the beginning of the film, which, is, you know, there's a really great moment with Matthew Reese, which we won't get into specifically. But also um,
1: to, to your point really quick, like this movie is basically the closest we're ever going to get to the Americans reunion because right. you've got Matthew Reese, Kerry Russell <laughs> and Margo Martindale. Yeah. All back together. So if you love the Americans,
2: yeah, and go. I believe, and I, I think I had this right, but Matthew Reese's character is, is Andrew C. Thornton because he's a real. That was a real, real guy, per- yeah, person. And in the, in reality, he was flying. They were flying, and he was dumping the cocaine out of the plane to lose the weight of the plane, right? And in reality, he does jump out of the plane, and I think his shoot doesn't work properly and he dies. That's in the real story. And then I think there was like 40 containers or whatever it was of cocaine. Bear gets into it and the bear dies. So then from that point forward, the movie becomes, oh, well, what happens if the bear is high and does all this crazy stuff? And honestly, like I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, I, I, I Listen, at the end of the day, like the concept may be better than the film. It probably actually is. Um, but the title, um, you know, I think one of the things I I had a hard time with in the films, I don't know that the movie totally knew what it was doing. Um there were times where it it is a legit horror film, like brutal, disturbing, like disgusting grizzly <laughs> literally violence. Um I think Grizzly's actually in the MPA description of the movie, which is actually pretty funny. Um But then, you know, it tries to be the over the top film that that we all think it's going to be. I have no problem with tonal shifts. I have no problem with a movie shifting tone and going back and forth between serious and funny and horror and comedy, whatever. I do think that sometimes there needs to be a dedication to a certain tone and an understanding of the switch. And I think there were moments where the film got so hyper violent that I thought it almost took away from. the the goofiness of it, in my personal opinion. Um, I'm not saying that you can't have violence in films like this, but there were some scenes where I was just like, okay, that one that just felt over overly done or too gross or like it it just didn't fit the the flow of it. And then you have these two young kids that are in the film that are, you know, are are put to the test of everything you can think of in an R-rated movie. Um, That was funny. But then there were times where I'm like, was that funny? I don't really know. And so like there were just moments where I don't think the film knew what it was in a weird way. But then there were times where it was entertaining as hell. Um, I would pay to see this with a crowd in a theater. I think it would be fun. I think it would just be like a really fun Friday night, Saturday night. Get a couple drinks. If you drink, go out with your buddies or friends or whoever you want to go out with, girlfriends, whatever, and go see it. And it's what is it? 90, hundred minutes, whatever it is. It's called Cocaine Bear. It's rated R. It's it's a movie that I would have loved to have seen when I was in high school or college. It would have been something that I would have been like begging like to go on a Thursday night at a midnight showing with my buddies. It would have been fun. Um yeah, it's it works. I mean, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as what the concept may have presented to be. The trailer I think is better than the film. But then you have really great moments. I thought Ray Liotta was great. I thought O'Shea Jackson Jr. was great. I thought I mean, Alden Ehrenreich is fun. I thought Carrie Russell was fun. The kids are fun. I thought Banks did a really decent job with the directing. I mean, I think, I actually do think she's a really good director and I, I, I and I want to see what else she does. Um, because it shot well and performed well and the way, the way they actually shot with the bear. Um, it's very cool. If you go back and listen to the interview that you may have heard already prior to this moment. Um, she talks about how that was done um and it and it works it's effective um it, it it's just i just don't know what the movie I don't know that the movie knew what it was mm-hmm. and i think but there were enough moments of entertainment and and fun and you know horror that I was perfectly entertained with it. I want to see it in the theater with crowds that's that's i would go I would pay twelve fifteen dollars to go see it on this on an opening weekend i would just it's just fun
0: Jake, where do you fall on
1: it? Um, I liked it. I, I I will admit that um, the novelty for me wore off about halfway through. I was like really into it for about forty five minutes, and then I think after forty five minutes, I just sort of went okay. So that's that's just what this is. This is this is it's you know um you know I I I haven't been equated, and I use this I've used this comparison a couple of times, but I equate it to one of my favorite moments in sitcom history, which is in Arrested Development, where um Jason Bateman pulls out his brother Jobs. Uh, paper sack from the fridge that says don't open dead dove inside and he looks inside and then looks up and goes well i don't really know what i expected and that's kind of how i feel about <laughs> right. this movie which is like it's, yeah. it's it's exactly as advertised like if yeah. you go see a movie called cocaine bear this is kind of what you get and and it almost reminds me of like Kind of how I and I've only seen it The one time in theaters But but how I remember Reacting to Snakes on a Plane All those yeah, years back but It's I better remember, than I, Snakes yeah, on a Plane I, though. I remember Oh it is Oh it's a hundred times better, better than Snakes on a Plane yeah. But I just remember like Everyone being so excited About that movie And then like going to see it And then like 30 minutes in Just being like Oh that's it That's It's, it's just that It's just Snakes on a Plane I told um I told Elizabeth Banks, you know, and that, that I would have loved, I, I think my because I, I watched it via screener in my home with a couple of drinks with uh, a couple of friends and we had a good time. We had fun with it by the end. I think we were all collectively like, OK, like, let's let's wrap this up. We're, we're good to go. Um, I think was in the corner. Yeah. Wrap, yeah, wrap it, it up. up. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that like <laughs> I'm a, a DVD extra, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do believe that like a drive in theater experience with like oh, an yeah. old, dirty, grimy, grindhouse print. Yeah. is what perfect cuz I, I imagine this movie whenever well, you can i think barely of like, see it. Huh? yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i
2: you know cuz i i think of like the, 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 old the video radio. store yeah yeah exactly yeah. Claws across the screen yeah,
0: I mean, you're making out with someone and not paying attention like, oh, to right, hold it on, it's on. It's he's, he's going to kill somebody and, he,
2: and you look up is a <laughs> leg severed yeah. yeah
1: i i remember like the video store that i went to growing up and the way that the, the guy who owned it uh, arranged the horror section he built the shelves to kind of make it look like its own little private corner it almost yeah. looked like you what you would imagine would be like, like the ex- the Pornography, rated section. Yeah. yeah, but it yeah, was for yeah. horror yeah. films. And, and and when you w- would walk into that section, you would pick up these old dusty v- '80s VHS tapes, and oftentimes have to like dust it off. And there'd be some, you know, the like those '80s horror movie posters those graphics are gorgeous like they were oftentimes like hand-drawn art and you know really great and that's kind of how I would imagine discovering this film for the first time like walking in that old like dirty VHS section of horror films and like kind of seeing some sort of mean bear on it and like dusting it off and then all of a sudden you see like cocaine bear and I'm like okay I'm in um that that's how I pictured this that I feel like this movie's at the wrong place in time I would have loved to to have discovered it today and had it come out 40 years ago when Sean was in college if, if, I,
2: if I was if I was 15 16 17 years old and I was like in high school and like this was coming out I would round up all my friends yeah. go on Friday night I mean and, and it would be a last yeah. and it honestly like as jake said it's as advertised so you know it is what it is <laughs> and it's but it's you a lot i i will say one thing is a lot more violent than i thought it was going to be like it's pretty no. brutal yeah. you, oh, guys it's
0: are pretty, you guys are slapping a lot of parameters on a bad movie to no, try to not, make oh, it you, sound okay good. Okay, but, okay, but bad bad right. okay i'm so confused because movie. i seem to remember you texting us about because how much you, you were liked into it. it no i i said it got off to a really fast start which i thought it did yeah. You said you made it halfway. I made it about 10 minutes because then after 10 minutes, I wrote you back and I was like, oh, no, oh, that's right. You did say that. Yeah. Oh, oh, come never on. No, nah, dude, it's not good. It has a funny premise, kind of, um, but it's like it. it's actually boring. There's it's a not boring. there's a bunch of subplots uh, going subplot? on in the movie that don't go anywhere. There's a long, a long subplot with Alden Einerick and O'Shea Jackson Jr., where they are just walking to a gazebo. It's the entire movie. They, <laughs> that's their whole plot, until they meet another character who's on top of the gazebo, and then they have to interact with the bear. And When they interact with the bear, it's not funny. It's not funny. Like, the, the bear lands on top of Alden Einerick, and no, nothing happens. It just sort of drags. There's another... I can't even tell you the subplot with Kerry Russell... Because I don't know what shes doing. She's just walking through the woods looking for her kid, and then there's another subplot with Margot Martindale that has nothing to do with anything <laughs> theres there's just there's a bunch of plot threads that I thought would Look, be interesting off, Kevin <laughs> he left um i listen, I wanted it to be really zany. And 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 you saying, oh, it should have been discovered in the 1980s as a dusty VH. No, it shouldn't. It just, just should have been left alone. And Kevin's saying, oh, I wish if I were a teenager and I'd go see it as a no, you're not. You're you're a 30 something year old man in the year. Sure, 2023. Sure. But I guess I guess my
1: point being that, like, we're better we're, than know, this movie
0: Well, Oftentimes we. We
1: discover film and you and I get what you're saying, and, and you're not wrong, but oftentimes when you discover like old, particularly like old eighties horror films, there's seventies sure. horror films, and they're particularly when they're like the B horror films, you watch them through a context of what they are and also through a prism of forgiveness. And I guess my I guess the point I was trying to make was I this movie would be what it wanted to be. If it were that, but it's not that so you're so you're not wrong. And I mean, look, I, I admit it to you. I, I halfway through, I went, OK, I'm I'm done. I'm over it. I think I'm, I'm somewhere between you and Kevin and that like I enjoyed it for what it was, but what it was wasn't necessarily good.
0: And I think that you could do like if Elizabeth Banks really wanted to do a spoof of that type of movie. Yes. But but make it updated. Yeah, there are ways to yeah. winkingly make a hey, we're doing that yeah. kind of movie. But it's this, still funny yes. and it's still contemporary. Instead, it feels like she just tried to make that kind of movie.
1: This would have been great for like the Tarantino Rodriguez Grindhouse movie. Like if this had been one of the trailers sure. or had been like oh, one of the hundred percent, like one of yes. the first or the second. Like this would have fit I'm in. But, I guess, I guess <laughs> that's sorry. the point I'm trying I'm to make,
3: Jake. You've cut this down to if this had been a trailer and a, <laughs> a different
2: <trailer> movie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think, yeah. I, I think this is actually not the easiest film to uh, review because. Is I did enjoy it I don't think There's it's a great no, it, but it, it, what I'm saying is like it's it, it, I don't think it's a great film overall in terms of, like oh this is a phenomenal movie I can't even I say it's am, a good movie I disagree with that I actually I, I actually liked cocaine bear so if somebody said where, to me, where are do we do, ranking it all we're and wanking it where are
0: Jesus Christ can we start over where are we ranking <laughs> welcome, it welcome <laughs> welcome out of five Jesus. I gave uh, it a yeah. two out of five I gave it two I'd give it a three yeah. I give it a three yeah, okay. Okay. yeah. So
3: you guys aren't that far off. I yeah. get. I, I haven't seen it, but hearing your guys' thoughts on it, Kevin, I think I totally get where you're getting. And and Jake, I think you both are very similar boats. Whereas if you saw the trailer and you like were like, oh, I'm in for like a weird time. Yeah. And you're in that mentality of like going for a fun thing. I I think that to me that's how this movie reads. Is that's what
0: is how, how I it. I wish it play. were funnier. If that's the case, I wish it were funnier. I would have liked it yeah. to, to have been funnier. Thought it was kind of flat. All right. Anyway, let's get to Elizabeth Banks blend. They <laughs> had the the, uh, the guest of the show. Hope she didn't okay. listen to the review section. Oh, before we do that, let's start to a quick break. We'll see you on the other side. OK, and we're back. Let's get into Elizabeth Banks blend uh, and I'll go first. And I'm uh, going with Betty Brant. I'm going with her. Her, her role as Betty Brant in the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, but specifically in Spider-Man 2. Um, I love the fact that she has. Sweet interactions with uh, Peter Parker, the Toby Maguire, Peter Parker. I love the way that she handles J.K. Simmons' J. Jonah Jameson. I wish they had more for her to do. Betty Brant is an uh, important character in the Spider-Man universe. She kind of got side-changed for um, both Mary Jane Watson and then later on in Spider-Man 3 for the Gwen Stacy role. But I think when you got somebody of Elizabeth Banks' character um, f- to play Betty Brant, the potential for her to grow into more of a supporting part was there. I just think Raimi didn't get the chance to do it in his films. But um, in the scenes that she had, she honestly stole them. I thought she was really terrific in those. And um, when looking over her filmography, I wanted to continue to celebrate the work that she did with Raimi and uh, and specifically, again, single out Spider-Man 2. So that's where I went. Kev, where did you go?
2: So uh, this might be, might be an unpopular pick, but I love her and Zack and make a Porno. Yeah. Um, and I remember. I, I, so obviously, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, but. I outside of like being a Kevin Smith fan, I thought that her and Seth Rogen were great together. I mm-hmm. love their chemistry. I love the beginning of the film. I love their their friendship and and their and, and obviously becoming lovers in the film. But I, th- I thought there was a really cool concept of kind of like how they fell in love. Um, That movie, you know, I don't think it's a perfect film. It obviously has some issues, but I just think she's wonderful in that film. I love her. I I also there's a great scene. When they're like, you know, because part of the whole drama of the film is that they're falling for each other or they already were in love with each other. And this concept of like making this porno and kind of what it does for them and like versus like, you know, they're making love on on video rather than just doing it for, you know, the you know, the what the concept of the film is. I'm trying to be as PG about this as possible. Um, It's called Zach and
1: Miri make a porno. I I think I think people get the idea.
2: It's a great title, by the way, um, but I, I love her in that. I mean, obviously, Slither and, and films that I've, I, 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 I've you know, I think she's great in a lot of her Hunger Games performances are incredible as well. Um, but I just when I think of her, I think of that performance because I th- I like their relationship. I like their chemistry. I like their bond and their friendship and their love story. And, you know, that movie is rooted in a lot of R-rated, raunchy comedy aspects. But I do believe that there's a grounded nature that both Elizabeth and Seth bring to that performance in that movie that I thought
1: really worked for me.
2: That was um, a
0: different I, time for Kevin. He was trying new things, that was, was the different. Jersey girl type. <gasps> you know yeah was that Zachary around Mary like type. the red state uh cop out uh, sort of right before yeah. that stuff but like yeah. before he started going back into the view askew universe what, yeah. what would universe you French know about guy. Bruce Willis movie Sean <laughs> but that oh, is, cop <laughs> out. Geez, that's that's
2: is the, that is the will cop out even Kevin Smith I don't think likes cop out <laughs> well it <laughs> um, should have been called <laughs> what it should have been called
1: which is a couple of dicks a
0: yeah.
2: couple of dicks yeah. or
0: a pair of dicks or something like that yeah so anyways
2: I'll go I'm gonna go with yeah. I'm gonna go with um Zack and Mary make a porno uh, again, probably a strange choice, but I actually like, really like her in that movie. So, all right,
1: Jake, where did you go? Uh, I'm going with her work in the Hunger Games films, and, oh, and this yeah. is this is a series that I got to be honest, like I don't particularly love. I think there's a lot about it that's admirable, and a lot of stuff about it I do like. But as a whole, I think the, the series just got weaker and weaker and weaker, um, and to the point where like I just didn't care. Um, but I do think her performance is layered in a lot of really interesting ways. I feel like she has to play a couple of different kind of characters at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of actors would kind of use, you know, the the very hyperbolic sort of makeup and the costumes and everything almost as a crutch where it's like, well, that that does most of the work. And I feel like she gives her character layers that somehow as wild and crazy as all of the visuals of her character are shine through that in a lot of ways, which in which allows one to prop up the other. They each, you know, her, the layers that she gives the character and the visualization of how, how different her wild and crazy her character looks like all the time. Um, I, I just I, it's, it's really it was really one of my favorite pieces of that entire sort of Hunger Games series. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so I thought she did really, really uh, impressive work there. So um, I thought she stayed consistently great in yeah. a series that I found uh, to start diminishing toward the end.
0: Har like those Tucci. films. Her and Tucci were terrific. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And those Dude, movies. They both is really good.
2: Catching Fire is legit great. I did like, love the visualization of Catching a Fire. One. That's like, the one the
1: island. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, I the, did. The cool. And the
2: the cool thing about Catching Fire and the, and not to get too minutia, but There was a really cool way they played with the aspect ratio in that film. So he shot, I think, all of the stuff in the aisle or on the during the games in IMAX. But I think he used 65 millimeter IMAX cameras, like genuine like IMAX cameras. But I don't know if you guys remember or saw it in the theater. It's really cool how they did it. Like when Jennifer Lawrence is going up into the games, we're in wide. And then as she goes up, the screen just enhances and then jumps to the IMAX. It's again, very subtle, but clever way of like. Uh, of you know disconnecting the world of the game versus yeah. the reality or whatever That's and smart similar to kind of, of like what Spielberg did with ready player one where he like they did 35 on the outside world and then super clean pristine digital obviously within the the game um, very interesting choices but like a really clever way to play with Astro Can Crucio. I ask you
1: a big question and Gabe's gonna hate me for bringing up such a big question so near the end of the show is, is ready player I? one top 10 Spielberg for you for me it is yeah I'm I, I am obsessed
2: with that movie I, I that is I I believe that the first key uh, race that they race. have at the beginning of the film is one of the most extraordinary pieces of cinema it. I've ever seen. Maybe and it's this, like, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's no, it, it, it's a good it's a good question. If I'm putting together my top 10 favorite Spielberg movies, it's yeah. on there.
1: No, I, I, I loved it and it was on my top 10 list that year. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I call it top 10 favorites. Spielberg.
3: Maybe this is a little reductive or cheating, but I feel like the fact like how can you not put. Spielberg directing a Kubrick scene is top 10.
2: Yeah. And oh, that that and that scene is so masterful. I mean, I, I I, if you're making
1: that argument, can you make that argument about AI? For AI, sure. Well, that's different. That's uh, that's like, like he but did that's the Kubrick, full pro. Though. pro yeah. Yeah. I think of like, I'm thinking, like what's, what's on my t- Okay. So like, what? Jaws, Raiders. But AI is oh, good. I, I like AI. AI. Yeah. Oh, oh. We're on the AI, too. I think Ready Player top 10 one is, is not- Last Crusade. But Close Encounters. The, yeah, the Kubrick scene Jurassic is. I, I,
2: I want to say that he had Kubrick's family on set when he when they shot that um, or they had some approval of some sort, um, like like because I don't know if people out there, if you guys read the book, Ready Player One, that's not in the book. I think they go into Blade Runner in the book. Yes, they do. Yes. So they couldn't
0: get the rights to Blade Runner,
2: which is which serendipitous serendipitously (laughs) worked out better for the movie because they nailed the Overlook, like it when looked.
1: They, when they play that theme, that oh my dun, god! Dun, dun, and, what a, and what a
2: smart way to play with it! Like, what, what, what was the clue? Uh, 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 creator a creator that hates Warwick. his creation. Oh, that was so smart! And then they had like all the. Uh,
1: that movie is amazing. And I got, hold, I, I'm not like trying oh. to like pat myself on the back, but whenever I saw the movie and they said creator that hates his creation, instantly I was like, oh, it's fucking shining! It's gonna be yeah, the shining. Man. It's <laughs> gonna be Stephen King, the shining. dude. Dude, the ending battle when when like Chucky Chucky's yeah, in the ending yeah, battle that's, <laughs> like, that's that's one of my favorite awesome. uh films in recent memory. That's one of my it's like you know great It's fucking F-bombs. Chucky.
2: Oh, oh my
0: god.
1: You what know, a I, great I film. Honestly,
0: think I'm just slapping my list together like in the moment, and I have yeah. it at eleven. Really? Yeah, it,
1: it would be outside of my top ten, but if we're looking at uh Jaws, Close Encounters for me, Raiders won uh Last Crusade. E.T., Jurassic Park, Jurassic. Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, I have Saving War Private Worlds Ryan, and, and also probably War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah. War of the Worlds. Chandler's List. Chandler's List. War of the
2: Worlds, it might be his most underrated movie. I yeah. think that that that, the, that scene... Minority Report is his most underrated. See, Minority Report, I, I, people, love, people do love Minority Report. I think War of the Worlds was... Was, I, I will say this about War of the Worlds the second half isn't as good as the first half um, unfortunately the,
1: I, I just feel like they, the they, first half he, he so could have veered away it's from so the oh my god, god. and like oh after 9-11 it was such like a freaking
2: like, that was a terribly oh disturbing scene. Yeah, I feel
3: like for a filmmaker who a lot of the praise that he gets is his filmmaking. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of filmmakers get talked about of like the look at this shot, look at this. Yeah. yeah. War of the Worlds, I feel like, doesn't get talked about enough about how oh. like insane the highway stuff is. Yeah. Oh, how he God. Scared, the even, even when like they're oh, coming oh out my. of the, the, the ground, shoots yeah. yeah. that whole thing, yeah. And it's like super
2: overexposed. It's I cool. saw a
3: breakdown of that recently where someone was talking about... It's just it's just Spielberg doing Spielberg. Spielberg is just he is just like the quintessential director and how he that shoots that first scene to set up the scale so mm. that you mm. under, so you Spot understand on. where Spot they are on. for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah. And Cruz lets himself be an asshole, which he never yes. does on. Yeah. On screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's great as an asshole. Yeah. That scene. They need when to get they, back together
2: when he, when he goes outside with Dakota <laughs> Fanning. And Your like, favorite he's celebrity like, uh couple. <laughs> <He's still laughs> working to, cruise. Let's get those kids back together. Lightning doesn't strike twice or something, whatever he yeah. says and that's oh, yeah. and the 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 look doesn't he laugh? He almost like laughs. Like yeah. when the when the lightning hits, it's almost like a like a startled yeah. like, oh, really? Like he like, it's yeah. so gosh that's so opening good. of that film and that's actually a really good movie to watch at home by the way because he shot it in 185 so it's a really tall ratio i re-watched it recently and it holds the it's hell really up, beautiful it holds the hell also
1: i need to rewatch munich because every once in a while someone will post oh. a clip or a shot oh, on twitter yeah. and i go jesus that's beautifully shot i need to rewatch. That's it. that's one of his best audience movies so
0: picks. magnificent yeah um elizabeth banks was in catch me if you can to pull, she it, was. To pull it around was she was, she? Yes, she oh, was. Wow. um that's why we're talking about spielberg uh audience picks that's not uh, why we were talking yeah, about Yeah, that's exactly yeah. That's a well done. That's a good connection. Yeah. Though. John Dalvez says uh, the details. Adam J.K. says the next three days. Oh. Stagehand says Rita in Power Rangers, which I know she got a lot of attention for. Uh, you Rusty, went all in on that, which is cool. If you
3: if you grew up as a Power Rangers fan, she yeah. went all in on Rita.
0: Rusty went with the uh, choice that I was going to go with, which is the Lego movie. I do love her as Wild mm-hmm. Style. Deadline Soul said Slither Zen Jake, which I guess is a calmer version of the Jake that we get on a, on a <laughs> weekly basis, said Effie Trinket, specifically in the Mocking J movies. Danny Phil gave love to the titles across her filmography, including uh, Hunger Games and Role Models, starring Paul Rudd. Is that right? Yeah. And Sean, no, and Sean and Mary. William Scott. No, Zach and Mary, uh, I'm
3: sure there's people that, that put on there. We only pull a handful.
0: Right no. <laughs> I, I might be on my own on that. I, I don't know. I like I like Zach and Mary. Don't, don't, worry, about it. It. don't, don't, worry, don't worry about wait, it, Sean. Wait,
4: what's going on here? <laughs> what
2: are you guys laughing at?
0: All right, for next week, uh, we're gonna play uh, hashtag Rocky Blend. Where we're gonna pick your favorite, <laughs> We're gonna pick your favorite Rocky movie. <laughs> Wait, uh, but, but, they, rocky but
2: no not not stallone in it right uh, every any rock your choice without
0: that is your choice so let's say that let's say let's be fair um that Across does not include creed one and creed two uh yes. because he is a prominent member of creed one and, and if creed 2. you somehow see
3: yeah. well no I uh, rocky i'm saying rocky franchise creed three is still the rocky franchise
2: yeah yeah oh, it doesn't I say. exist but, yeah, 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 yeah. oh but he's not but Stallone's not in Creed 3. Oh, it's so you're not, just saying Rocky it's not, what's in
3: general? your
0: favorite Rocky okay. the they character. It's barely Rocky. Barely
1: mention him. Yeah, but it's okay. just
3: that uh, my my point is Rocky I was gonna okay. ask you guys this if we should have special rules for this one.
0: Oh.
4: Take yeah, Rocky I don't one spoil out. Spoil
3: stuff. No, I was thinking of something a little bit different. Because I feel like everyone's because Rocky is such a classic and it built everything on it. These are a little harder to do. We always we don't always do like favorite from the franchise. What if we do favorite Rocky scene? I feel like Rocky's oh, a franchise fun. that is full of like great scenes, like this fight, this yeah. moment with Adrian that like it has I great got moments.
1: That's a great moment. Would you guys be I like, that's like a great, a great idea? I love that.
3: I like that. That's yeah. really
0: great. I like that. All right.
2: Let's
3: Might do It Might be a favorite. little
0: rocky
2: when we start doing
0: it, but we'll, we'll, we'll do a favorite we'll scene
3: from across the Rocky franchise.
0: We'll make Thank sure you. to pick up the pace so it doesn't drago. Yeah, yeah. Oh my
4: <laughs> god. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> my god. <laughs> uh, my god. <laughs> All right. yeah. uh, our, next,
0: our next premium episode is a mailbag so check the description below for how you can sign up for those episodes follow us on social media at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV at Sean underscore O'Connell at Gabe Kovach and the show is at Real Blend we'll be back next week with a full on episode a couple of really exciting um, interviews in the hopper and, uh, and in the stuff. hopper That's some cool stuff, stuff. I what's mean, in the, the hopper I mean In the hopper, oh, you're a
2: hopper. Um,
3: He's yeah. like you know, like know the, the beans, you know, like beans on top of a grinder. You know, it's, Kevin,
0: like it's, it's coming. What? It's in is the that,
2: hopper. Wait, is that from like when when you used to talk in the 1920s? Like, is that like, is that from that time yeah. we, got, like, we got a good episode <laughs> in the hopper. See, like the speakeasy. I'll meet you down at the speakeasy <laughs> yeah. where we're gonna get some poppers. we Rocky moment. make sure you check out Sean's <laughs> interviews <laughs> with uh, Citizen Kane cast and Orson Welles. They're really great. We put them on the Real Blend channel. They're <laughs> phenomenal. Right. CinemaScope.
0: Is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring our boys back home. How about it, huh? All right, hockey pads.
3: Hockey Jesus. pads and pop pop Oppenheimer. Barbie.